0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. I hope you're listening on the plane and knowing that we might be the last voices you hear before (laughs) you die today on this airplane. Happy
1: Thanksgiving. Yeah, there's the lovely (laughs) spot.
0: Pete Dammo.
2: What 40-child chop block, 78-year-old, to put him on the ground while he's rushing the passer.
1: And SI's Pat Forty. We have one (laughs) tragically competitive dude that plays every year. (laughs) We do. And this
0: is serious. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there. Loyal listeners, people checking us out for the first time because, well, I don't know. What the hell have you been doing? You're stuck in traffic somewhere. You're trying to get home. You're smoking a turkey for like 14 hours because you thought it sounded like a good idea when Bobby Flay did it. And it came out perfect. I can handle this. Have fun. (laughs) Turkeys, the t- it's tough, man. It's tough. Hey, And it's the one thing you don't want to screw
1: up, you know? I mean, the, the risk-taking, you need a like a pre-turkey, you know, weeks, months in advance. Try something, experiment with the turkey, see if you can do it. If not, go back to the tried-and-true method.
0: Yeah, you got to do that. I mean, and it's like, okay, let's cook this thing for six hours. Like, oh, God. And you got, yeah, you really only have a little bit of practice. This ain't no hamburger. Good luck <laughs> to everybody out there. So it's Thanksgiving, which uh, is uh, obviously time to be thankful. But that is not what this podcast is about. We are thankful for nothing. <laughs> Whatever we got, we deserved. And they should give us more. We don't believe in thankfulness. So what I want to ask you two, I'm going to start with you, Pat, resident <laughs> what, <do> you, <laughs> hey, what? What in college football are you not thankful for? Well... First, let me give you a different uh, a
1: different level of football that I am not thankful for. Last year, we play a we play a Thanksgiving Day game every year. Last year, my seventy eight year old father in law insisted on playing. Wow, yeah, yeah, a- and then he rushed the passer, got knocked over, uh, broke his glasses, <laughs> and cut his cheek, and what? he still wanted to keep playing. Yeah, we had to we had to force him to the sidelines. So. I am not I he's coming this year to Thanksgiving we, I, we are all praying he doesn't play. We're like you know what forty child chop blocked the 78 yeah. <laughs> year old to put him on the ground has, while the he's other rushing side pass. of the family. No, the guy I mean we, yeah. have, we have one <laughs> tragically competitive dude that plays every year. We do. And this is serious. He he was complaining because my 78 year old father-in-law was not counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi before he rushed. He was it's like, dude, you're you're like 38 years old and you can run a four five still, and you're worried that this 78 year old didn't count. So, I am not thankful that Joe Miller may play uh, in the Turkey
0: Bowl. Now, beyond them, is there any video of this? Yeah, we got protocol. <laughs> what do we got? Did take we, his helmet. I, yeah, we should absolutely.
1: Well, if we had helmets, wait. I mean, we're all just like Joe. No 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 i'll be fine i'll be fine there he is out there <laughs> <laughs> trudging around trying to rush the passer He even want, he wanted us to throw him the ball too like he can barely move and he's like i'm open like yeah i know you're open we're not throwing you the ball
0: <laughs> there's a reason you're open they want to tackle the one guy wants to tackle you yeah is there any bad the- blood with this guy like are people teeing up on him like no, no. I
1: mean, nobody teed up on him, but again, I like there. There was not there was not like an overabundance of respect for the elder out there either. Right. You know, well, I was hey. like, step into the lion's den, man. This, this is it, <laughs> Thunderdome, baby. What's the baby? forecast, Pat? We got, any, we got any flurries in the forecast for the first uh, football games? Like season? high of forty six on Thursday, so it'll be a little <laughs> a little chilly. It'll be good Thanksgiving football weather. I was going to say that's pretty much central casting for your yeah. part of the country on Thanksgiving yep.
2: Day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. Well, there's something to not be thankful for.
2: Yeah, We'll pray for Pat's Achilles Thanksgiving morning <laughs> that they make don't it even, out. Don't okay. even
1: bring that up. You're putting <laughs> the hex on me.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I have to drive you to the Iron Bowl um, <laughs> in an air cast, <laughs> it would not be pleasant.
0: Pete, no. you anything you're not thankful for?
2: I thought it was like college football related. Well, yeah, it, but Pat, yeah. He
0: just, Pat just broke the rules. <laughs> I hijacked okay. the yeah. topic. I, it was a better I'm story I'm not than thankful I don't than have a better co host
2: <laughs> you what know, I'm not thankful for, I'm already annoyed at the college football playoff and how it's going to play out this year. Not just that there should be eight teams and they should expand it. The semis are on December 28th, and I don't think we've yeah. like fully embraced how much this is going to suck. Badly. But yeah, the teams are going to arrive on Christmas Eve. Hey, congrats. You're playing in the college football playoff. You don't get Christmas with your family and the, the windows are going to fall in these, like, idiotic times where I don't think they're going to get rated that well. Now, look, people at Birmingham are always going to watch, right? You see the ratings in Birmingham. They get Super Bowl ratings for, like, Troy versus uh, FIU. So the, the people who are going to watch are going to watch. But where college football has been completely failing, and Bill Hancock's playoff has really epitomized this, America, like America, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, Seattle, America Los is Angeles. conditioned to watching bowl games on New Year's Day, right? And basically, Mike Slive okie-doked everybody by getting – well, Delaney had this monopoly with the Rose Bowl. And then Mike Slive okie-doked everybody and they boxed out the college football playoff, the thing they should be showcasing and adding value to. Only in college football did they dilute the value of their best product. Right. So long story short, there's going to be these games on the 28th. People are going like, wait a minute. It's just like Christmas just happened. They're playing college football semis on the 28th. And then the final is on January 13th. which is approximately six months away. Now, if you're the NFL and you can own the two weeks between the between the championship games and the Super Bowl, own it. In college football, they're going to play like 30 bowl games in the middle. And like the the general fan, the type of fan you're trying to lure in from the non-Birmingham-type markets, the general fan is going to be completely confused. Wait a minute. Who's playing? What, what, what's the title? Like, they have had some horrible scheduling in this college football playoff, and it's because of the greed of the commissioners and nobody wanting to concede their piece of the cookie for the common good of the sport. This is the year I think it sucks the most. Well, I 100% agree with this, obviously. this playoff Dan could write a book about it. Yeah, to so mad. Two of them.
0: <laughs> All right. They they the people who didn't who don't like playoffs designed a playoff. So they designed the worst possible playoff. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's absolutely idiotic. The fact they can't stand up to the bowl games is just because it's like they're old friends and they're crony. I mean, it's just nobody wants to, nobody can. It's like, "Oh, well, we can't." And then these people like just put the damn thing on New Year's Day. Or as I always said, just make the the Rose Bowl is this sacred event, right? So there's two problems with the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl is a sacred event, really, nothing sacred. Fine, make that one of the semifinals every time. Who cares? Great place, yeah. okay. Like yeah. Omaha, Nebraska holds the World Series every single year. <laughs> nothing wrong. No, no, we can't do that. We got to make sure our all of our buddies that are making a million dollars running these games get take get a little piece of get a little nip, get a little taste, right? The other thing with the Rose Bowl is it has to start late because they want the sun to set at the beginning of the third quarter of the Rose Bowl over uh, whatever those mountains are there outside of Pasadena, which is nice. It's also nice in the second quarter. (laughs) Like, they screw up this entire sport over a freaking (laughs) flower parade and a sunset. That's correct. I, is, I, That's I 100% goes, Why correct. would you do that? Well, the sun
1: sets right at kickoff <laughs> yeah. of the third yeah. – The San Gabriel Mountains
2: San in the Gabriel. background. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and no. the funny part is like it's so ridiculous, but we're disaffected by it because we're just used to it being this ridiculous. Right. Like if I was at a bar in Boston right now and told people that, they'd think it was the most ridiculous <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah. They'd be outraged. They'd be like, well – the Major League Baseball playoffs would never do that. <laughs> the NFL would never do that. But we're just like, yeah, they like the parade. Yeah. NFL be like. It's a like- really nice sunset. So let's just, like, make the kids stay home and not hang out with their families on Christmas. Let's yeah. just blow the whole thing up. Let's That's make it worse and inconvenient for everyone. But, hey, you know what? The bull dude making 750 a year, he's got an awesome jacket.
0: Yeah. All right? he's, got great- he's got an awesome jacket. Dude, he and- bought I- me golf last year. I had to- We got to take care of him. Yeah.
1: Right. And that the, the we, we, we talked about this before the just the the truth the the towering arrogance too of these the people that run college football of like we're just gonna re, we're gonna remake Christmas Eve we're gonna just redo the calendar to fit yeah. and everybody's gonna conform to us because we're college football and to them, the us conforming are the other guys that are 65 years old or 70 years old and hang out with them, and that's okay, yeah, fine. They may not want to spend New Year's Eve out you know, running around a big city. They, they'll be fine to go ahead and watch the Sugar Bowl then or whatever. But there's a lot of other people, their whole lives don't revolve around their little college football world, and that's a lot of your audience when it gets to this thing. But they have just disregarded that. That Yeah, the calendar's terrible, the, uh, the myopia, the arrogance. And, and the, the two weeks it's going to be between basically the 28th and 13th or whatever, I think is a real disservice
0: to to everyone involved, fans, players, everybody. They're also, they live in a bubble of wealthy boosters are around them. Only rich people and people right. who work in, they don't talk to the average fan. They certainly don't talk to the non-fans. And so they're like, of course, uh, we're all going to give up our New Year's Eve and fly to wherever to go to the game Mm -hmm. where the average guy's like, no, you know, what would be great is we had a home game or things like that. Yeah, Uh, there's so, you know, just so many things. I I use this stat a a bunch because I, I find, you know, people miss how concentrated the populations are in this country. Los Angeles County has about the exact same number of people. Los Angeles County as Georgia. Okay, Los Angeles yeah. County would be the 10th biggest state in the whole country. Mm-hmm. Only nine states are bigger, and North Carolina and Georgia are about the same size. So, like, Michigan is smaller than Los Angeles County. Michigan's not a small state. Forget Kansas and all these other ones. So it's yeah. like, you're just sitting there going, well, we don't care what people in L.A. think. Really? Why? You know? And then you go <laughs> to New York and you go to, like, Pete, I grew up in the Northeast, too. Like, nobody's watching. And it's like, okay, that's their loss, I think. I mean, to me, you should be watching. This is the most fun sport going. But if you want to try to draw people in and make, you know, you just sit there and go, well, yeah, let's do it on the 28th and the 13th. So that's a good one. See, we got fired up for a not thankful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me let me add this.
2: Pat will appreciate this. I think amongst our trio on the podcast here, you would, you would all agree that I probably have the least temper. Would you say that's true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pat would have the most temper. Dan would be in the middle. I would be the least temper. So it's after Alabama LSU file my story, and I'm running down to the very cramped visiting press room. So there's a billion TV cameras from all the New Orleans and Louisiana markets. There's a bunch of writers in. Orgeron's just about to go take the podium, and I'm, like, scrambling, because I'm a little bit late. And I try to, like, pry open the door, and I can't get in. There's, like, too many people. Like, you, this has happened to you guys, I'm sure, at some point. So there's two chuckleheads in, like, peach Fiesta bowl or <laughs> yellow Fiesta <bowl laughs> jackets oh, yeah. oh, that are blocking my way. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I just look one down in the eye and go, dude, bull guys don't need to be here. You're not working. Get out. And they're like, oh, 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 oh calm down. Uh, I'm like, no, you're in the, you're actually in the way of beating progress. Like the bull guys who show up in press boxes are like the most useless people in the college football universe. I like, I literally lost my cool, which does not happen a lot, but it was just like. Uh, you are preventing
0: me from doing my job. And you are not only taking up space, you're ruining the sport. Get out of my way. You should have checked the uh, list. I didn't obviously I didn't cover that game. But I remember being at the the last time those two were one, two and looking at all the bowl reps that were there. And it's like, you know, you know, Ed, Ed Smith there from the Papa John's like scouting yeah, yeah. bowl scout. Yeah. yeah. Really? Papa John got combo. Yeah, probably my wasn't sure get the is good no. enough for us. I uh, got to really scout uh, this team. What are you talking about? First off, they slot them in now. Like you're yeah. totally useless. Yeah, right, those guys.
1: Yeah. Those guys have absolutely. They have no use anymore. But that's none. Pete, yeah. i first of all, I applaud your your uh, strategic <laughs> use of temper. Way to go. Certainly deserved <laughs> in that standpoint. Yeah, I but, did not think there'd be any objections from this group. No, no. Secondly, <laughs> I, a, I a guy I have known for like. 20, 30 years now, because he's been in my fantasy football league, is now a bowl scout. And like, this guy is your, <laughs> I mean, your classic, like, yeah, just like college football. And all of a sudden I'm a Bull scout. And I asked him, I'm like, so, you know, he's on the field afterwards. So dude, what do you have to do? He goes, well, you know, I got to go shake the hand of the the winning coach and, you know, just say, congratulations. Okay, all right, that's it. Basically they flew him up there to do that, to shake the hand of the winning coach who really doesn't want to shake your hand back. He like, no, doesn't care whether you're there no. or not. But that's the can't, job.
0: Can't pay the players though. Can't can't no. afford to fly the quarterback's parents to the game.
1: Can't yeah? Charge yeah. the
0: band. Yeah. The Bulls are an absolute abomination to this sport. <laughs> I love them. I love watching yeah. them all, but the system is so crooked and so unbelievable. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we went longer on that segment. I don't want to get too deep into it. I was going to say I'm not thankful that Bobby Petrino is not in the uh, college, football, uh, college football. For numerous reasons. One, because uh, we need material. Yeah. Uh, two, because Lamar Jackson probably wouldn't be a quarterback right now if it wasn't for Bobby Petrino. <laughs> That's but, right. You want offensive innovation. He was smart enough to give us Lamar Jackson, and he is, is – Uh, tearing up the NFL. He was right. A lot of people thought, no, no, it's a wide receiver. And three, I just wanted to play the Chris Vernon... Bobby Petrino country music song again So let's play that, Sully
1: (laughs) Riding down the highway of girls on
2: my bike Man, I never felt so alive Screaming pig suey at the top of our lungs Man, I never had this much fun But then she reached around and put her hand on my thigh I was in heaven and I closed my eyes Next thing I knew I wound up in a ditch Oh man, I should have never messed with this
0: Girl in the athletic department in the volleyball shorts. Girl in the athletic department in the volleyball shorts. Uh, see, I mean, that just puts you in the mood <laughs> for Thanksgiving. <laughs> 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 right. Nothing, so, nothing says that better. No, nothing better than Bobby Petrino and the uh, the girl in the, the volleyball shorts. Chris I Hurd think and- if Patrino
2: was back in the sport, we'd get that Popeye sponsorship we've been angling for. <laughs> right? Like, I think we'd be so popular, we'd have so much to talk about. We'd all we all sit here on Skype. We'd all have like our neck braces, and we when we went when we went on and look at each other for the show, we'd all be wearing our neck braces. I really think that that could push us to the next level.
0: Pat, did we you need see a- the guy the guy on uh, Twitter who sent us each a map, like a Google map of how yeah. we could oh, drive yeah. to meet at a at a Taco Bell in Dayton? Yeah, <laughs> so we could we could try yeah. the the chicken that their their entry into the chicken wars. Um, little yeah. little little frightening that he's like looking up our addresses and stuff like that. <laughs> hey, he's a he's a sports writer. He's doing his work. He's homework. His homework. Oh, was he's it reporter? a sports writer? I just thought it was. Nah. A, I don't know, man. I'm just yeah. that was a little nerve wracking. <laughs> I mean, it's frightening, but he wanted to give you Taco Bell. So it's not Taco Bell should be sending the crap to us. We're the only people that talk <laughs> about this thing. <laughs> we are war correspondents like Wolf Blitzer.
2: Yeah. We talk about UMass football, the state of Iowa, and chicken products. That's, That's pretty fine. much what this podcast
0: is based
1: That's on. That's it. All right.
0: All right. So it's rivalry week, and this is the best. To me, The maybe the best part of college football is the fact that these games just take on these oversized Meaning even when your teams stink, like if the Jets and the Giants play right now, you don't like and the Jets win. They don't run around for a year yelling at Giants fans about (laughs) how we beat you last year. They both go, yeah, both our teams suck. Who cares? Right. Nobody. (laughs) There's just you just don't get that. You can have big rivalries in the NFL, but both teams have to be good. There is no less spite right now in Mississippi. Heading into the egg bowl than there is when they're both good. Now there's a little more, maybe a little less, but not really. They will fight. Right. They will. They will scream. They will holler. They'll call themselves dumb names, you know. Or what do they? The, the Barners. What do they call? What, what? That's uh, Auburn calls. Auburn. Uh, Alabama fans call Auburn the
1: Barners. Yeah,
0: the Barners. Right. That's because they, mm-hmm. they're the they're the they're the Ag school. Like I love when yep. they get uppity. The scream oh, <coughs> yeah. yeah. in these states. Oh, we're the. <laughs> We're the real. You guys are the farm. Oh, okay, uh, you know, or the hey, go away, suck guys. Ha ha ha. You Worst know, like <laughs> nicknames. <set. laughs> well, that'll teach those Ohio State fans to win fourteen times. <laughs> do you? Do you guys
2: read the D one ticker in the morning? It's the email that's like the news summary of all the college things from the day. It's a if you like college sports, like I think all our listeners do. It's it's a it's a free service that's basically like a news aggregation clip. So actual. Mention in the D1 ticker this morning, which I read this week's Egg Bowl will serve as a litmus test to determine whether off-season discussions about creating a safer, less hostile environment have paid off. Ha! After last year's bench clearing brawl, SEC Commissioner Sankey met with Mississippi State A.D. Cohen and former Ole Miss A.D. Bur- so they actually was so violent that they needed to have like off-season discussions around it. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, like Dan said, like, imagine the Jets right? and the Giants doing that. Like that's a rivalry. <laughs> when you have to have like scheduled meetings and there's articles written about bringing civility to the game, that's a rivalry.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. the NFL they just let them fight in the stands and put it up on uh, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes they do. But
1: yeah, no, like the Egg Bowl is the ultimate example of that where it's like usually these two schools are scratching each other's eyes out to get to six and six and to go to a bowl game, which is the case this year with Mississippi State. Mississippi's uh, down the down the pecking order a little bit at four and seven, but. Uh, no, it, 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 that's the thing. You, the the hoary old cliche, throw out the record books, is actually true with these games this week, which is part of the fun. You mm-hmm. got it. And the Mississippi State coach might get fired if he loses, so that adds like <laughs> a whole other like
2: yeah. element
0: to it. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: it. You you know it's you got to do something though. I got we just got this story this week. An Alabama fan and LSU fan uh, got into it after their game. That didn't even the rival a, a big rivalry. LSU fan got shot by the Alabama fan and ke- died, got shot to death. Uh, the quote, they just got into it over the ball game. They've been John each other all day. Alcohol played a big part in it. No, like my God. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. My God, people don't shoot each other. <laughs> Put away the weapons when the game is on and afterward. Apparently, they were each dating. Each was dating someone who was the, They were sisters, the two sisters. So that's going to be an awkward Thanksgiving. Uh, so yeah. the
2: two sisters were dating guys, one of whom killed the other. Yeah, it's like they were story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where was the, where's the dateline? What town did this happen in?
0: Uh, I actually looked it up. It was way out in the country. I can't, let me see if I can get a better story here. Uh, it was way out in the country. There was no need to bring your pistol to the, to the game. And this is, look at, I'm, this is not a gun control. Uh, like I'm not saying anyone should like pass legislation and take these guys guns. But like, don't if you have a gun, which you should, don't bring it to the football party. Ugh.
2: Don't. It's not yeah. going to help. It's not going to help uh, the tide on third and two. This, the, this this
0: fight was in the middle of literally nowhere, Alabama. Like, this is not a lot of street crime was going to get you or anything like that. So I don't know. So, Our bit of advice for you: don't bring a firearm to the football game, to your football watch party, or Thanksgiving dinner. Just, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Leave that. Leave that out. No problem. I'm all
0: about the Second Amendment, but. You know, personal responsibility here, because uh, no one's winning with that. So you got to. Nobody's something.
1: packing for our football game on Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> yeah, Grandpa right, might adds a little. Take this Mississippi's. You'll count the three
0: Mississippi. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> you will enunciate every syllable <laughs> under One threat of miss- being shot. M I S S I S S P P I. Yeah. Uh, my dad and I were in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi once the week before the egg bowl. And we were at this, it was kind of restaurant bar. And, uh, there were two, these guys got in a fight over the game, arguing over who's going to win. They went outside like gentlemen and, uh, slapped each other around a little. Then they all came back in. They let everybody back in despite <laughs> the fight. And then about 20 minutes later, they had to fight again. And so of they course. went back out. It's like round two. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of the all-time greats. And um, <laughs> one of their w- girlfriends or wives, or one, she just says to my dad, like, oh, they're just getting going for the egg bowl. Uh, <laughs> they're out there slugging each other. So basically, uh, and they had this <laughs> place at Big Windows, it Italian restaurant in Fall Plings in Tupelo. And um, it's known for its fine Italian yeah, cuisine. Yeah, good, good <laughs> Italian there. Um, little Italy of Tupelo finally they took the the one guy was really the problem He there was one guy just could not settle down about the the egg bowl and he was he was the instigator so everyone else agreed that the fight should end but this one guy so his friends uh there were like 3 of them there was he had like 4 friends one guy got his pickup truck drove up the other 3 took him by like legs and arms and threw him in the i swear to god the, tail the, bed? the flat bed of the truck and then the guy took off with the truck to just get him out of there Oh my and then God. everyone came back in. Which side was, was he on, Bulldogs or Rebels? I don't, you know? I don't remember. I was not. I was not getting involved in that. Man, I was no. Yeah, I was not <laughs> fighting. I'm not fighting for the egg bowl.
2: <laughs> no. You like a rivalry where fighting over the egg bowl is is just an expectation.
0: Oh, they're fighting over it's the egg bowl, bowl week. Going. It's egg bowl <laughs> week. What do you expect out of yeah. this? Right. We're like what? Okay, then they they invited us to stay. They were very excited that someone not from Mississippi was at the restaurant. So I actually still talk to one of the guys, and he still tweets at me every once in a while. Seriously, Ben, Ben from okay. Tupelo, yeah. What's up, Ben?
2: By the way, a uh, father son who are both from outside Boston. There aren't a lot of stories that start. My dad and I were in Tupelo <laughs> <laughs> no, before no. the Egg Bowl. Not a lot of stories that usually start that way. My dad and I are in Tewksbury, might be, or my dad and I were in Manchester. Not, my dad and I were in Tupelo. Paul but. Wetzel and I, <laughs> Paul though. Paul Wetzel, the yeah, American uh, original.
0: At a bar where there was a fight, yeah. not not uh, too, completely <laughs> that, honest. That, those parts, <laughs> not that surprising. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got any great memories of, uh, like that, The despite the, the, the hate of a game that, uh, you know, maybe not just the, I think you guys are both at the kick six, or, you know, some of the just the all-time great games, but just the the, the total mayhem that these that, that the, the hate brings to to the sport cuz this is really what we're all about. We're about hate, we're about college football, we're about <laughs> um how they inter in, we're at the intersection of hate and college football. That's what's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that those ethos. This podcast is That's the where we live. Of- Culture yeah. and sport. No, no. We're uh, at the no. intersection of hate <laughs> and, and and more hate. So, Pat, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, I kind of almost think we're at like a little
1: five points of hate, college football, chicken, you know, support animals and other stuff. But anyway. Beer. Yeah, beer. One thing that, I, that has always stuck with me, I might have even mentioned on the podcast, but from the kick six and Pete, well, both you guys probably know. I mean, when you get to like an Auburn-Alabama game – and an Ohio State-Michigan game, generally speaking, like beforehand, it's not as much revelry as it is there is a tension outside the stadium, I think. Because the stakes are high enough that people are like, you know, I can have a few pops, but I'm not really having fun until I know my team's going to win. So, you know, there's that, that level of intensity, I guess you would say, maybe more than tension, that goes along with it. But then we're at the kick six. The play happens, I literally stand up in the press box and yell, he's going to score when Chris Davis was at like the 35 because you could <laughs> see it was wide open.
0: Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the miss field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field. Tonight.
1: I go rushing out afterwards, and I'm trying to make my way through the crowd to, you know, down this you know, winding ramp to the field. And there's a man who's probably 40 years old. And he's got a blue pom-pom in one hand and an orange pom-pom in the other. And he's dressed like a very working-class Auburn fan. You know, he's got like the work boots on and the jeans. And, and he is literally skipping like a little child. He is skipping <laughs> along, waving his pom-poms like the happiest little person I have ever seen in my life. And that was that was that play to me is like all this tension. All this anxiety, and then you win, and you win that way, and it's like you're a you're a little kid. You are so happy. That was the thing that really stuck with me from that game. Someone dropped
0: someone's ashes out there.
1: Oh on yeah, the field. Yeah, 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 did happen.
0: It's, they saved up, so they sat for the whole game with Grandpa's ashes, and then in the in the luck of the, if they don't have the the kick six, they're not going to get out in the field. But because of the kick six, they could run down there and swarm because the cops had given up. <laughs> And then they were able to spread grandpa's ashes where it belonged. That's something That's we've Thankful before.
2: Yeah. I, I just tried to look up my story from the, from the kick six from that time. And uh, it is, it is, it is not popping up right now from the uh, former uh, New York city magazine where I used to be employed, but I, there is a, perfectly ridiculous video so I was there with like a video producer at the time and so I literally shot a video in the seconds after the game Mm. and I sound like it's like it's like my it's like a high school audition reel it's like (laughs) and Auburn won the game like my voice is cracking I'm like totally disheveled (laughs) it's like perfectly ridiculous and all there's is people just streaking onto the field behind me my memory is walking back on the field after the amount of nips that were on the stadium turf because people had (laughs) flooded the field. I will never forget the amount of empty nips. And people were taking their Christmas card photos. Not like like one family. They were like lining up by the scoreboard (laughs) to take their Christmas card photos because what's better if you're an Auburn family than being on the field after the kick six – and you can send it to Aunt Judy in Tupelo and she can <laughs> see the whole family enjoyed that epic uh, upset. But I don't know if I've ever felt the adrenaline surge of a stadium just charge in that way. That's the most unexpected finish yeah. in the history of college football. And uh, Auburn is an awesome place to see a game. It, it is, is hard to no, get to, it's but it's an awesome place to see a game. And you get to go to Columbus, Georgia the night before. So what's what's better than what's, what's better than that? Pat? Pat Forty for years has been on the uh, Columbus, Georgia Chamber of Commerce. That's right. If you need any, if you need any restaurant recommendations in Columbus, if like the mayor of Columbus wants Pat to shoot an infomercial expounding on Columbus's uh, above-average Marriott <laughs> and decent food options,
0: Pat will be happy, happy to provide. Hidden gem, baby. Come on down. <laughs> we'll be there Friday. We're gonna get to the Michigan, Ohio State, some uh, some Wisconsin, Minnesota, Bama, Auburn game coming up but it is a travel weekend. Uh biggest travel game. I know a lot of people like to listen to this stuff while traveling. As regular listeners know, we have been all over this uh this emotional support animal situation starting with Flirty the Flirty the the horse. Yeah. Who who mm. some woman needed a damn horse to get on a plane just to fly from <laughs> Omaha to Chicago or something. Uh which is an 8-hour drive. It's getting worse. And um I'm just going to read this from the New York Times, November 23, 2019. Clearly, the Times is listening to our podcast because they're now onto this. You know, they like looking for trend-setting stories, and this is really it. This is the this is one of the great uh, sentences you, uh, this guy ever, Jennifer Jennifer Steinhauer ever could write. It seemed, in retrospect, a bit of a low point. A medium, <laughs> a medium-sized dog racing through an airplane at thirty thousand feet spraying diarrhea toward passengers throughout the cabin, period. (laughs) Now, a bit of a low point. Yeah. If you're not in journalism, that's called a lead. (laughs) The first sentence is called the lead. And the goal, of course, is to, you know, get the person to keep reading. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to keep reading on that. (laughs) Yeah, it worked. What a lead. Jennifer did her job. Yeah, Jennifer did a good job. Of course, in classic Times fashion, this is like overly – it it takes the situation like seriously <laughs> you know it's got to i mean it just goes on but fraught with self importance yes. yeah i mean it, yeah it kind of goes off the it's it's factually correct all that but i just my personally that's all i need to know to say what the hell right i don't need like a bunch of different uh, groups telling me whether that's wrong or right it, it basically says that there's the overuse of untrained dogs pigs rodents amphibians and in at least once A small sloth, an emotional support sloth, was used on a plane. I think I'm an emotional support. Just fly with me. I'll just sit there, not move, and buy you alcohol. I'm better than a sloth. The emotional
1: support sloth. I'm better than a sloth. that's, that's That's a fine, fine... Selling point for yourself, Dan Wetzel.
0: And then we just get this one: Uh, somebody shows up at an airport. There's literally video about this. Local 12. Every every city has a local 12, so I don't know which one it is. An emotional support peacock. (laughs) Yep. And there's the peacock. He's down by baggage claim, walking around. (laughs) But now the the peacock, they they vetoed the peacock,
1: right? Like United, not allowed on peacock. At least they did that, but. (laughs) Yeah,
0: this is absolutely getting out of control. (laughs) This is what happens in America. You open, you give them an inch, and we, my fellow citizens, a bunch of jerks. They take a mile. Peacock. It's true.
2: Don't fly. Don't fly. (laughs) Can I make my confession?
0: Oh, I. Oh no, I don't know. You may be off. So Sunday by the end. Sunday,
2: we're 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 we're. Supposed to tap the pot at 2:30. I was flying from Columbus to Boston, yeah. and my flight was delayed. And then we circled Boston for 45 minutes because the weather was so bad. And basically, the pilot gets on, and obviously, all of us have flown a lot for our jobs in this podcast. I, I am not a timid flyer by any means. I like don't even realize when you've taken off. Like you just, the, it's minus, it's like our commute. So anyway, the pilot basically was like, "I landed here yesterday, and it was rough." So put your electronics away, fasten your seatbelt, and buckle up. And essentially, he said, this is going to suck without saying this is going to suck. And you know what? He was right. Like, top five all-time worst landing. We did one of those buddy hops when we hit the ground. But the worst part was like the 45 minutes of circling, waiting for it to suck. You know, you can't really read at that point. Like, there's not really anything. You're just sort of like, here we go. So – Anyway, like we go below the clouds, like kind of before we land. And I'm going to be late to the podcast, um, which is pretty common. No, no one's really surprised by that. But I don't, I don't want to hold up my fine coworkers here in their day of on their Sundays. So I texted like, "Hey, you know, we're circling. It's going to be late." Blah blah blah. And so then I'm like pretty miserable. So I'm like, you know what? I could actually use an emotional support pig right now. Like I could have used <laughs> the hug. Like, is that so bad? Like it was an awful landing. It was just like, <laughs> ugh. You know, like that feeling, you're just in the air, you're like, oh. So, anyway. No
1: pig for you. No.
2: <laughs> Could have used a little, little oik, you know? Uh-huh. I
0: am absolutely disgusted <laughs> in you right now. I am absolutely. But I would not big. have had a peacock.
2: That draws the line. What, do you, what kind of emotion do no you, you get from a peacock? I am disgusted with you.
0: Man up. Yeah. <laughs> <God. laughs> I'll, you know, I'll I mean, tell like, you this one. I was flying in with my, my kids into Washington, D.C. And I'm sitting with my daughter, uh, Caitlin, who at the time was like maybe five or six years old. So flying was a little scary. And there was massive winds. And we ended up not even landing at Reagan National. We ended up landing in Baltimore. That's how bad it was. Like they couldn't land the plane. So we're on the flight. But we noticed we're in our row. We're kind of towards the back of the plane. We noticed there was a kid on the other side across the aisle with his dad and uh, mom. And the kid was. Uh, you know, uh, autistic or d- some delay. T- he's got some kind of issue. And on occasion, he would just sort of shout out stuff during the flight. So we kind of knew him and, you know, he's a nice kid, but he would, he would sh- yell things every once in a while. But most of the people on the plane had no idea about this. So we're coming in for this landing and the pilots like, Oh, it's windy. We're going to give this thing a shot, which is always like, what do you mean? Give this thing a shot. This isn't a <laughs> freaking dice. Game. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like <laughs> yeah, you need to be undefeated when you're a pilot. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: But you swear to God, yeah. we're coming in on the thing, and it's dead silent because everyone's a little nervous. And this kid just yells, oh, no, right? He just yells. The place flips like, like they're like, everyone, Whoa! like, like did the engine fall off or something? And it was just the kid shouting out because he just did that every once in a while. And the dad's like, no! Jeremy, quiet. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, they just the panicked like 250
1: were, people, huh?
0: It was yeah, a blood curdling. whoa no like, <laughs> the, the key
2: to handling a bad landing <laughs> is looking at the flight attendant's body language. Yeah. If the flight attendants look nervous, I'm petrified. If they're just like mildly annoyed, I'm still kind of scared because they're mildly annoyed means this is not going to be great. Or if it's like high winds or whatever, and they're just like reading Vanity Fair, like I'm like, okay, we're we're fine. That's I've always felt like that's like the key context clues to like, yeah, we've all had a handful of
0: those landings that are
2: just awful.
0: I just I hope you're listening on the plane and knowing that we might be the last voices you hear before you (laughs) die today on this (laughs) airplane. Happy Thanksgiving. There, yeah, there's a lovely thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my
1: God. You can have the image of me hugging an emotional support pig. <laughs> we love you, though. We love yeah. all our listeners. Yeah, you're going down with us laughing in your ears. That's good.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> a few intriguing games this week. We'll try to talk a little football here. I find the Michigan-Ohio State game to be most intriguing because... Obviously, there's high stakes for Ohio State. They need a win. There's also high stakes for Michigan, despite being, you know, nine, ten-point underdogs, depends where you're looking, because Ohio State has won 14 of the last 15 in this series, seven consecutive, and all four against one Jim Harbaugh, who as a player uh, was 2-0 as a starter against Ohio State and famously predicted victory. I went out to Ann Arbor, actually did some work this week, Wow. Hold your applause. Yeah. Coach Harbaugh is very confident. I don't know that he knows any other way. This is Captain Comeback from the NFL. This is a guy who basically told both Bo Schembechler and and, and Mike Ditka that he knew better than them. (laughs) It takes a sort of strong will to be that guy. But the mood in Ann Arbor is that this is the best Michigan's been playing since Harbaugh got there. I think that's all nice. I also think they might be playing the best Ohio State team since Harbaugh got there. So I'm not sure that's enough. But what are your thoughts on the game? We'll pick it later, but we'll start with you, Pat. Not just an. What would this yeah. result do for Jim Harbaugh? I guess we we know what it means to Ohio State. You know <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you get into that, right? They're trying to get to. They're trying to just. It's almost like Ohio State's just on another level. It's like we just got to get by you guys and get onto the real crap. Now right. it still matters to the Buckeyes. There's no question, but. It's like, get out of the way, and then we're going to go try to win a national title. But for Harbaugh, what does this game mean? He has proven
1: himself, uh, not just at Michigan, but, but previous stops. But but he's reinforced it at Michigan. He is a good coach. You know, he's, he's, he's done very well at Stanford, at the 49ers, and now at Michigan. He just hasn't done what it takes to be a great Michigan coach. Not yet. To be a great Michigan coach, he's got three barriers still in front of him. And the first one, the most immediate one, and the most painful one is beat Ohio State. Hadn't done it. It's really only come close once. Uh, Last year was a flat-out embarrassment. Then after that, win your conference, win a national title. That's why they hired him. That's why they're paying him that much money. That's why they gave him everything he wanted, uh, is to do those three things. So, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, I I can understand a little bit of conflict. I If you can step back enough from the Ohio State futility, you say, hey, this guy's doing a good job. He's going to win 10 games for, I I believe, the third time now. He's certainly way better than Brady Hoke was. He's way better than Rich Rodriguez. He's doing well. He's just not doing well enough for what the expectation was when he came in. And I agree. Look, I think they're playing well right now, but I've got to see him do it against Ohio State, and this Ohio State team looks better than Michigan does. Let me ask you a question, Dan, before I give my uh,
2: take on the game. You you went to Harbaugh's press conference in Ann Arbor. Is he as bizarre in, like, the Monday press conference with the local media as he tends to be in, like, post-game stages and media days and stuff? I'm just curious, like, y- your quotes in the column were, like, pretty sp- – like, it didn't seem like he said a lot, which is fine. It's a rivalry week, and these are coaches. I was always curious about the dynamic of Harbaugh – projecting and speaking
0: publicly because he is one of the stranger people that this sport is seen. Well, when it was the 49ers, once I, I asked him a question, I remember it. I can't remember exactly, but it's about 10, but I, I had it on the tape, stared off into space after I asked the question. And it was a pretty mundane question. Something about, you know, uh, you know, what'd you, how'd you get Kaepernick going today or something like that? I mean, I don't even remember. It's just a game. And he stared off into space for like 10 to 11 seconds and then answered the question and I was, I was like dead it was completely awkward and everyone's like did he hear it like what does he like you know does he have like supersonic hearing and is hearing something else like you know he's a cry of a child all like, like baker mayfield yeah. wandering around that stadium listen to the little yeah. uh the little uh fire alarm <laughs> and then he answered it uh yeah he's he's odd there's no question he's got some he's got a weird way about him but uh He wasn't that bad yesterday. He didn't say a ton, but he he I just his quotes were either too long or too short. Like he'll filibuster and talk about how great everyone's playing, but there's no question he thinks that you know ascending or ascending, and doesn't really have a lot to say about things. But I'm with you, Pat. Like he's a good coach. He's just he's in a tough spot. Michigan is not equals to Ohio State. They want to pretend they're equal to Ohio State. But there's a bigger gap between Ohio State and Michigan than there is Alabama and Auburn. And, you know, and a lot of these 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 rivalries, it's it's a rivalry because it used to be a rivalry. And now it's 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 a rivalry because everyone cares, but it's not a competitive rivalry. And and so he's kind of in a tough spot because um when your entire being exists on beating this team that you really don't have as good of a program, as good of players, as good as anything. And they say, well, he's supposed to change that. He is, but it's not that easy. It's not just, it's a, it's, it's not a zero sum game. Ohio state keeps upping. It's Ohio state is 97 and nine since urban Meyer took over and, and Ryan day 97 and nine. There's a lot of people not beating Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, ninety-seven of them didn't beat them, so <laughs> it's tough. Uh, go ahead, Pete. I think you were going to add something on when I.
1: No, I just, I was, always I'm just always curious about
2: that that dynamic because he is just for a guy who's been supremely successful, he's also managed to stay like uh, defiantly bizarre, and that's always just been one of the most compelling things about about Harbaugh. Is uh, even like the people who work with them that I've talked to, they they all they they don't ever feel like they really get to know him. Uh, people generally like working for Auerbach because they leave him alone for the most part. But a uh, couple thoughts on this game. One of my big takeaways from Saturday and why I think Ohio State's going to win pretty handily is that if Ohio State gets up in the game, so Ohio State, Penn State, fourth and one, midfield, late third quarter, Ryan Day, who had been gambling all day on offense, punts. And basically, Drew Christman, who's an excellent punter, uh, pinned them at the eleven. Chase Young swallows the right tackle hole and then uh, and then sacks the immortal Will Levis on the one-yard line. And after the game, I asked a couple of Ohio State coaches about like the decision to punt there. And basically, their thought is, if a team gets behind two scores on us and has to pass the ball, they will not be able to do it consistently because they feel like Chase Young is that much better than whoever is going to be lined up across from him. And they feel like he is that much of a game plan wrecker. And I just thought, I, I don't know if I've ever heard about a defensive game plan and in-game decisions being based on a single defensive lineman where they're like, okay, we will pin them and chase young will swallow them whole and we'll get the ball back. And they feel like if, if they they didn't say this about michigan but essentially the way they're going to manage the game is if they are up they want if michigan gets and michigan's not a great passing team even though they have great receivers if they get forced to have to come from behind they feel like that's where they can really put the throttle down and control it and i just thought that was a little bit of an interesting nuance that i hadn't thought of uh, one other thing too like sitting in the press box researching before the game like ohio state has the number one scoring offense and scoring defense in the country or at least they did Going into last game, which is a little like I don't know if I've ever seen that at this phase of the year from, you know, from a program. The other factor, and I've mentioned this once or twice uh, over the months here on the podcast, but worth repeating, is that Don Brown, uh, as you know, Pat's written this over the years, is like one of the great feast or famine coordinators, right? Like he's either going to shut you out or give up 50. And when ohio when Michigan has lost since Don Brown got hired uh, as the defensive coordinator, they have lost with authority. like they have lost in you know in ways and the thought is it's all based on individual one on one matchups. and because Ohio State or other opponents, Penn State, when they had Barkley, et cetera, have the athletes to exploit and win those one on one matchups, they don't have any answers to stop. and I really do feel like. Ohio State's skill is at that level where they can do this. And the other fun subplot between Ryan Day and Don Brown is that, like, you know, th- like they talk about coaches going back. No, those guys go back. Uh, Ryan Day's brother played quarterback at UMass when Don Brown was the head coach. They faced off against each other when, like, Ryan was, like, the receivers coach at Temple and Don Brown was the defense coordinator at UConn. And then they were on the same staff at BC for two or three seasons. So you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of practices that Ryan Day knows what Don Brown's going to do. And that became very apparent. There was a confidence around them going to that game last year. What they score? 62? 52?
1: 62.
2: 62. Now, I'm not saying Ohio State's going to score 62 again, but I, I know from being around that program, there's a confidence that they have the answers to Don
0: Brown's defense. Well, they got those crossing routes to work. The last 19 minutes of the game, they talked a lot about that at Michigan. The last 19 minutes of the game, Ohio State just flooded them. I agree. It's probably got to be a shootout, which means Shea Patterson has to be, uh, he's playing the best football he's played. He has to play even better. I'll give you one more thing on hardball, which, again, I, I'm with you, Pete. This guy is fascinating because he's just so unusual. And I know people like to bag on him and all, but he's just a one of a kind. It's just a ridiculous – you know, I drank whole milk and ate steak every day as a kid so that I could be big enough to be a Michigan football player. And then he did. Like, if you look at his brother right. and his dad, they are big and tall like he is. And then I'm just going to be the quarterback. And he goes 21-3 and three at Michigan. And and he fights with Ho- – or tells him to do something. Forget it, I'm doing that. I guarantees victories. Fights with, with Ditka. Makes it 15 years in the NFL as a 14-season NFL quarterback. Captain comeback. Like, ridiculous – you know, just ridiculous. He's just—he's a weird guy and all this stuff. So his son—this is a fascinating story I found. James Harbaugh Jr. So his son, uh, came out a couple years ago as gay, and he had to tell his dad. Uh, it was on the Two Outs podcast. Alex Raymer and uh, Steve Buckley, both up in uh in Boston. Uh, Buck's a, a great guy. it tells the story of like he's crying, he's scared. I guess until Jim Harbaugh, I'm gay. Like, yeah. you know. I, it's hard for anybody, but it's just, this just would seem even more. So he tells him, and Harbaugh's great with it, like just excellent, like just like he said, uh, if you do what you feel is right in your mind, live your truth, and everything will be okay. That was it. That was just like pep talk, right? Football, all right. So <laughs> then it, they get into this story, and James Junior is into uh, theater, and he got into theater because his dad took him to see Wicked at one time when uh, when they were at Stanford. And his dad yeah. is into like Broadway show tunes huh. and, yeah. and, and the musical theater, and so he loved it. And so now he's you now he's a theater major. What I don't know what it, what he's at now, but it was like, wait, Jim Arbaugh's into musical theater? What? Hey, man, just, you just never know what's coming no.
1: with this guy. Like that's the thing. He's vast and contains multitudes. You know? Yeah. And he'd be like, that's
0: great. Okay, Good. I don't care. Whatever. Let's go to the theater. <laughs> like what? What the hell? So good I don't for know. him. He's, yeah. Good for him. That's you know what? That's the thing we we
1: we one of the things we do in the media often is make people shrink people into two dimensional characters, uh, you know, for for ease of storytelling purposes. But there's clearly more to Jim Harbaugh than than two dimensions. That's good to hear, really.
0: Uh, and good for him for supporting his son. But.
1: You know, yeah, I mean, every dad
0: should do that. and But, yeah. you know, it's just great. But, yeah, here's a kid who's scared. And it's like, no problem. Done. It was diffused yeah. in one second. Two right. in the morning, he said. just was really? so, He's crying. He wouldn't tell his dad and finally tells his dad. And he's like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. So that is great to hear. But anyway, that's ahead, a go. great story. I yeah. never heard that. <laughs> All right. Let's do race for the case because we have a major race for the case update. Here are the standings. Tap 40. Tap 40. The opposite of Pat. Pat's terrible picks. (laughs) If you bet the opposite of Pat right now and you were tap 40, you would have 45 victories, 31 losses, and two ties. Pat is 31, 45, and two on the year. 14 games under 500. If tap 40 wins the race for the case, Pat has to drink bush light in his basement while doing an episode of the podcast, a bush light that Pete bought him like six months ago. <laughs> Here's the ding. The drum roll, folks. Down the stretch we come. Pete is 45, 31, and 2 also. It is a current tie between Pete and Tap. <laughs> I am in second or third, I guess, because Tap. I got 37, <laughs> 40, and 1. And then, Pat, you are way behind in the race for the case. Not that far behind. I'm coming closer. <laughs> I'm getting closer to you, Dan Wetzel. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna, I I'm. I may actually try to pay. I did not do any research, so I haven't done yeah. any research all year. I literally just pick at the end. I'm getting Still closer. closer.
2: <laughs> no, you're getting I'm a closer. little tortured right now, I just have to admit, because – I've really enjoyed Pat losing in the race for the case. Nobody had noticed your enjoyment. Nobody had noticed that. But also the anger and frustration that he's emanated weekly as his picks have blown up in front of his face pretty consistently. But now, like, if I'm rooting for Pat to lose, I'm rooting for Tap to win. Exactly. I don't know where I sit right now. I'm I'm
1: I'm tempted to throw (laughs) the whole thing just so you don't win.
0: But how that doesn't make no sense. It's terrible. Does- Tab <laughs> doesn't get the beer. He doesn't exist. We do it's know a, that, right? Like, he's not a real person. <laughs> Look, I just
1: don't want to have to listen to Pete say, I won. Because we've had to listen to it all year. Hey, have you seen the picks? Do <laughs> you see the picks? See how I did? Oh, see how my locked it? He when last year, we never heard a word about him during the picks because they were <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the Saturday group was were Terrible,
0: but... But I I'm know. on a heater, baby. You're like, oh, Wake Forest up in half. Like, uh, huh. Well, whatever. <laughs> we
2: got a, we've Wake. got a listener in Pennsylvania paying off his student loans on my lock of the week. So,
0: <laughs> Wake right. Forest well, at the backdoor coverage. You guys see that? A lot here. A lot here. Let's start with the uh, Iron Bowl. <laughs> Alabama giving three and a half at Auburn. Let's start with you, Pat slash Tap.
1: <laughs> Who you got? <sighs> Roll Tide. You know, they've had a couple of weeks now to kind of get their arms around the uh, the Mac Jones deal. I think they'll be ready for this, and quite frankly, I think Mac Jones will be the best quarterback on the field. Bo Nix, struggling, really, you know, he's, he's a fine player for a true freshman. He's doing well, but he's going to be going into a tough spot here up against Nick Saban, and... Their passing game is not very good. Even against Samford, I mean, his his efficiency rating is 134. Before that, against Georgia, 108. Mississippi, 133. LSU, 84. Florida, 75. I mean, he's had a lot of bad games. It's been a while since he's had a good game, and it's not going to be this weekend. So give me Alabama to cover. As much as it pains me to disagree
2: with, I mean, to agree with Pat, I I do feel like, Auburn's offense has just been awful this year. They've been hard to watch. They're not creative. They're one-dimensional. And Bonick just not progressed, I feel like, from, from his initial entree in that Oregon game to where he is now. I haven't seen significant progress. So I don't think this is a great Alabama defense. But I feel like there's zero chance that Auburn's going to pass the ball. And Nick Saban's going to figure out a way. It's like Bill Belichick going against a rookie. When you have Nick Saban going against, uh, you know, a sort of struggling, erratic freshman QB. So I think this game will be will be low scoring, and uh, I think Alabama finds a way to finds a way to win by more than uh, by more than a field goal. But I have no idea what the over under is. But I would think the under is going to be a, is going to be a pretty good bet in this game. The one, of course, caveat to that is, I'm almost viewing this game. It's like. You know, I'm not going to cover it. I'm going to like review a Broadway play. Jim Harbaugh might want to read my column uh, because it's like the performance itself is. This is this is the literal 60 minute referendum on what Alabama is for the playoff. Like yep. this is exactly who they are. It's their only good opponent, and it's the only chance we're going to see them as they would be constituting the playoff with Mac Jones as the quarterback. So I just find that I find like almost unique in this playoff era where everything is going to come down to how they not only if they win or lose in this game, but also like there needs to be an aesthetic about them in this game that, that I think is going to be really important and interesting because again, since they don't reward conference champions, this all, it, it all comes down to like style points and brands and all these awful things. So it, it's going to be a very interesting game on Saturday. One game
0: season for Alabama. Huge, huge, huge roll tide, roll, get, get to the receivers in space. And uh I, I'm, I won't. I won't just hammer the same things. I just. I don't like that Auburn offense, um, and I think Alabama is going to try to. I mean, not that they don't try to win big every time against Auburn, but there is a lot at stake here. You got to get. You got to get some points. All right, huge one in Minnesota. Great for the Gophers. This is the biggest uh, game since the last biggest game, which is a couple weeks ago. But this one really matters for the Big Ten West title. Wisconsin giving two and a half in Minneapolis, the all-time series between these two. They have played 128 times. The record, 60, 60, and 8. Is this the one for the axe? Did they get the axe? Yeah, Paul Bunyan's axe, absolutely. Best trophy I've ever seen. And then they pretend to chop down the, you always get some fat guy from Wisconsin trying to chop down the goalpost. Like you just (laughs) thought of that joke. (laughs) Uh (laughs) That's great. All right, Pete, what do we got? Rowing the boat, or are we going with the uh, Badgers here? You know what?
2: I think I'm going to row the boat. I think I'm going to row the boat. Part of me remembers this game last year where Minnesota just boat raced Wisconsin in Madison. This is a much better Minnesota team. They're a balanced Minnesota team. They're big game tested. Even with their loss at Iowa, they've performed well on you know on on all this all the stages, and they've just gotten better as the uh, as the years gone on. And uh, if you can get the Gophers with the, with a couple points at home, I think uh, yeah. I just there's been nothing Wisconsin's done this year to me they've been like uh, since that Michigan game they've just been perfectly pedestrian. You know, they they've been exactly what we we want Wisconsin to be. So, um and I think you know Minnesota's run defense is going to be adequate enough to stop Jonathan Taylor. Pat is teeming to rip my pick and take the take the batters I can see him.
1: No, false. I'm I'm with you. Actually, I'm, I'm Really? Yeah. No, I'm picking Minnesota the one thing like there's there is a chance Jonathan Taylor goes for 225 and like rips him up because they they were not very good stopping the running game against Iowa but that was also a little bit more of a speed game it's not to say that Jonathan Taylor's slow but they hit him on the corners and on the edges a little bit there um I like Minnesota in this spot. I really do. I, I, I liked what they showed bouncing back next week, last week against Northwestern. I know Northwestern terrible, but they showed a team that, that didn't lose their, their juice off of the one loss. So get them at home. Uh, their receivers are excellent. And Tanner Morgan has been good enough to get them the ball. And, and just let Rashad Bateman and, and Johnson, Chris Ottman-Bell, do the job outside, and I think that they've got a chance to, to move against the Wisconsin defense that is not the same as it was early. I, like The first six games, Wisconsin was allowing five points a game, which was clearly unsustainable. Uh, now it's like 25 points a game since then. So Wisconsin's defense is gettable in certain areas, and I think they have the, the skill position guys to get them.
0: Boy, it's a tough one. Should be uh, snow and sleet, of course. Of course. That, to me, would favor Wisconsin. I just think it's going to be such a hyped atmosphere. I really don't want to agree with you guys because this is not helping me climb back into this thing. But I'm going to take Minnesota, too. But, geez, I, I don't know. I would not bet this game until I knew the weather for sure. If it's really snowing, I'd take Wisconsin. But I'll take Minnesota with that caveat. Don't follow me until you've uh, checked out the theweather.com. All right, uh, Texas A&M and LSU. God, we didn't even get a time to f- talk about last year's brawl. Oh, man. One of the highlights Jimbo's, of the podcast last it year. Jimbo's
1: nephew? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a podcast hero. Right? Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jimbo's nephew throwing blows with, uh, like, Kevin Falk and Damian Craig and Steve Cragthorpe with the pacemaker, all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good.
0: punch the pacemaker. I would not get anywhere near Kevin Falk. That is no. not a guy you want to scrap with. We talked about David <laughs> Pollack last time. Here is uh, the Aggies just sort of. $75 million coach. Not exactly killing it. Uh anyway, game is at LSU. LSU linebacker Jacob Phillips. We haven't forgotten. Our fan base hasn't forgotten. I like how they're all talking like Coach O now. Yeah. Short sentences. They <laughs> just grunt. Yep. Everyone just grunts at LSU. Not a lot of, not a lot of uh debate. You're not gonna win the debate club down there. AM's the first team to face three AP number ones in one season. Wow. There you go. Good factoid. Sully. Sully's on his game. How about that? Good. This might be your best factoid of the year.
1: To quote the immortal and the great wordsmith, Ed Orgeron, we're coming and we're not backing down. I'm taking LSU big. I think they roll them. LSU's just got, they've got the, the eye of the tiger. Pardon the pun. LSU's giving 16. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's fine. That's LSU's going to score a bunch. AM isn't gonna be able to keep pace. LSU wins, covers, rolls 12 and 0 into Atlanta for a really good SEC championship game. Man, we
2: stink today. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not taking Texas AM. That they, they have just been dogs all year. Like that, they have inspired no faith. There has never been a moment in the season where I'm like, man, AM really looks like they're turning the corner. Yippee! Yippee! Skippy! They played Georgia close. Like Georgia played Georgia close because of how Georgia plays. So no, I'm gonna have to take the fighting uh, the fighting Orgerons and the fighting Burrows. And uh, I, I think this is a easily a three score game.
0: LSU. Sorry, this is boring. Yeah. All right, next. Yeah. Bedlam <laughs> baby. Stillwater mullet. Getting uh, the Sooners right there. Brinkley Riley, potential next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Just saying. OU's giving thirteen. At Oklahoma State, only in three of the pokes, eighteen series wins, have they played spoiler, seventy six, two thousand one, and two thousand two. I don't know if Oklahoma's really can be spoiled yet. Not sure. Uh, APM on Fox, Pete, what do you got? You raised your hand. Love
2: Oklahoma State here. Love them. Love them. Love them. Love them. I just Oklahoma has not played good football. Jalen Hurts is a is a sieve turning the ball over, and this is a good Oklahoma State team. They're going to be able to control the game on the ground a little bit, limit some possessions. I uh, I really think that's a lot of points. Now, th- is this game going to be ridiculous, 52-48? Of course it is. It's it's bedlam, and that's what we've come to expect. But I did, There's nothing about what Oklahoma has done in recent weeks that says they are going to blow out Oklahoma
1: State. Well. I loved Oklahoma State, wanted to take Oklahoma State. And then their quarterback had season ending surgery on his thumb last week, so I'm not taking Oklahoma State. I will take Oklahoma and lay the 12-and-a-half as bad as they have been playing. Oklahoma State's down to one weapon. They used to have three. Spencer Sanders was a good quarterback. Tylen Wallace was a great receiver. Those guys are both out. So it's all on Chuba Hubbard, who is the nation's leading rusher and is very good. But one guy isn't going to match points with Oklahoma for 60 minutes. So I think Oklahoma wins and covers the 12.5 despite itself, really, and the way it has played in the last three, four games, four games. Gundy could have an emotional support play, play quarterback and score 40.
2: Okay.
0: Right, rack that one, <laughs> Sully. Rack that one and bring it back. I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Bedlam. it's Bedlam. Stuff's going to happen. So I'm taking Oklahoma State.
2: Pat, are you going to look forward to me making ambient jokes while we're having beers in Columbus, Georgia on Saturday night? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bring them on. All right, last one, game in Ann Arbor. Buckeyes giving nine is what we have. Okay, I've seen his eyes ten. We're giving nine officially. Michigan, uh, 50-year anniversary of the 1969, the big upset, Bo Schembecker's first game in Ann Arbor, the most uh, cherished win in Michigan football history tells you because they've only only won they've won half a national title since the 40s Michigan Michigan has the greatest brand without ever really quite getting there than uh yeah. anybody else but they did upset uh number one ranked Ohio State in 1969 and set off the 10-year war can this be a recap a repeat of that I guess Pat goes first who you got Wolverines or Buckeyes going with the Buckeyes to win and cover
1: uh, I I do like the way Michigan is playing. I, Shea Patterson absolutely is playing the best of his career the last two games. Don Brown has started to mix it up, be a little more versatile in his coverages. He will not fall into the same trap that he did last year. And I, I would imagine Ryan Day is smart enough to know that. You know they're not going to they're not going to get caught in the same man to man mismatches as much. They're going to have some more zone involved. All that said, Ohio State is the better team. They're operating on a different level. If they hold on to the ball and they don't drop it like they did last week against Penn State, they're just they're two touchdowns better, man. So I and and I do think to, to what the point that Pete was making earlier, give them a lead and they are a really, really tough team to come back on unless you let them come back in. So I I, I think it all sets up very well for Ohio State to win and cover the number.
2: Yeah, I probably tipped my hand earlier on this, but I'm I'm definitely taking the 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 buckeyes. I really like the Ryan Day versus Don Brown matchup that I mentioned. Also, like worth noting, right, Ryan Day's rookie head coach. You don't know how he's gonna react to like different different situations. Uh Ohio State's been pretty good on the road this year. Fifty one to ten at Indiana, which in retrospect probably looks a little better than it did in real time. Forty eight seven at Nebraska. That was game day. You know, seemingly, you know, on paper a test going in. Fifty-two-three at Northwestern, which doesn't mean anything, as they stink, and Rutgers doesn't matter. Actually, played this.
1: They've played. They've been in bad. one atmosphere so far. That was Nebraska, and they took them out of that in like a quarter.
2: Correct, but like two years ago, they opened it in Indiana. You were at the game. They struggled with that game. Yeah, so I'm just did. saying, they're in a small sample size. On his first season, they've uh, they've done a pretty good job. Also worth noting, the defense has given up one first quarter touchdown, which came to Rutgers, and three first-half touchdowns with the starters in. So if Michigan can't start hot, as history would say, that would be difficult to do And Ohio State gets up, I think the the Chase Young factor comes in. And Shea Patterson has played better. Nobody's been more critical of Shea Patterson in his career than me. So I give him all credit in the world. But you have to ask yourself, do you trust him in this game?
0: can in good conscience pick Michigan. I think there's like a 25% chance Michigan can win this game. But – did isn't enough to pick them. And I really feel like last week was a, was a tease that lowered the spread because I think as we mentioned the overreaction, that was a blowout against Penn state. That wasn't a blowout on the score. You, you're going to need a goal line fumble again. You're going to need a, a, a bunch of turnovers and you know, too many things happened and Penn state still got beat and, and, and Ohio state made that a game. So I do think this is a better Michigan team. I just think, this is this. It's a tough bar to have to be at. Now you get seven million a year to do it. You got to figure it out for Harbaugh. But I'm taking uh, OSU. All right, uh, locks of the week. Anyone got one? I do not have one yet, so I'll take one. I have one. All right, go I'm, ahead. I'm ready to go ahead and Pete.
2: Okay. Well, I hope you you weren't locked in on uh, Wake Forest giving for at Syracuse because I am riding the Demon Deacons. Vegas does not respect Dave Clawson, and so. I just think this is a it's a terrible Syracuse team that's playing for nothing. There's going to be no atmosphere and if you're Wake Forest going to the Carrier Dome, there's going to be about 12,000 people there and you can have a 9-win season at Wake Forest. I have not done the research, but I can't imagine in Wake Forest history there's been a heck of a lot of 9-win seasons. Jim Grobe probably got there once or twice, but other than that, so I think you got a team that's playing well. That has everything to play for in Wake, and you have a Syracuse team with nothing to play for. Four points isn't a lot of points, especially because Syracuse's defense is historically bad and they've given up more sacks than any team in the country.
1: So there's a bit of an axiom of like, just, you know, avoid rivalry games if you can because crazy things happen. But I am not avoiding the Territorial Cup, if that's still what it's called, Arizona and Arizona State. I like the Sun Devils a lot at home. There they are laying 13 and a half, which is a pretty hefty number, but let's take a look at Arizona. Six game losing streak, lost by 28, lost by 28, lost by 18, lost by 10, lost by 27, lost by 24. That's them in the last six games. So yeah, I'm willing to bet against them. Arizona State got Jaden Daniels back at quarterback, had the big, big win over Oregon last week. They're feeling good. And they were going to take it to their rivals,
0: the Wildcats, at home to close the season. All right. I am taking Notre Dame to pound Stanford. Stanford is getting 14 points since the debacle in Ann Arbor where Notre Dame quit. They survived Virginia Tech, who's playing really good. I almost picked Virginia Tech over Virginia. But they have loaded down 38 on Duke, 52 on Navy, 40 to 7 on BC last week. Stanford is not a good team. They will have almost no fans at the stadium. It'll be more Notre Dame fans than anyone else. And uh, I think they will try to just run it up. And uh, I like that point. So I'm taking Notre Dame to cover at Stanford, which I don't even feel like will be a road game. The Irish will be so happy to be out of the snow in Midwest. It's a nice little Thanksgiving for them. So. That is my I was pick.
2: an inch away from taking that.
0: Yeah, I think that
1: thing's yeah. too low. I should have I should have asked Brooke 40. She was just here if she's going to the game. She will she will be back in Palo Alto, but I, I would bet that's low on the priority list. I bet she is not going. No
0: one will be there. There will be like <laughs> 5,000 Stanford fans in that game. Right. Um there'll be maybe 15,000 Notre Dame fans. So can she play the slot? <laughs> yeah, could use some people. Really disappointing Stanford season.
1: Really Oh, terrible. Yeah. Terrible I know. season. I mean, huge disappointment.
2: I feel like with Stanford in Michigan state in these like power football teams, if you can't win the point of attack, you're not going to be good because you yeah. don't have creativity. You don't have the, the speed. So if you are not winning the line of scrimmage, you basically have no chance.
0: Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. They always just had the, yeah. they had the big right. guy intellectual yeah. brutality. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of their
1: offensive line was decimated by injuries. They've played three quarterbacks. They've had some problems there, but even yet, yet, and still they have been a disappointment.
0: One last quick update. The kangaroo in Guntown, Mississippi, is still on the loose. Oh, really? Well, no, it hasn't been found. It very well may (laughs) be mounted on some dudes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was
1: going to
0: say. Yeah. Let me recap. Let me repeat that a little differently. Restate that. The owner is uh, very nervous and is hoping that hunters in Mississippi take great caution and do not shoot his Kangaroo. Also, I did an interview um, on the uh, three-hour lunch program on uh, in Nashville. Uh, great radio show. They had the guy on, and then they had me no. on to recap. <laughs> it's the most attention Guntown,
1: Mississippi, has ever gotten. Blanket coverage.
0: <laughs> when a kangaroo goes missing, the national, the media around the country call me to discuss the absurdity <laughs> of it. It was yeah, the G G and J traveling petting zoo. So this guy, uh, what's his name Johnson. Uh, I forget, whatever. He's got three names, Three. one of the three-name guys in Mississippi, all of, of them. It's John Reese Plumley. They asked him how he how much he paid for the kangaroo, okay? Now, let me ask you this. How much do you think it costs? Okay, this is like we're going to play like Price is Right. Price is Right. You can't bet $1, though, okay? You can't do the cheating $1 thing. How much does it cost to buy a kangaroo? Pete D'Amel. Eight grand. Eight grand. Pat, fat 40. $7,999. i am taking the under. Ah! <laughs> seven grand.
1: Oh, seven grand. Really? Right. You guys were right. astoundingly correct.
0: <laughs> you paid seven grand for that kangaroo. It's the youngest is... looking kangaroo I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> I, I would have said like, like 800 or something, but Pete through the 8,000 out there. So.
0: so the real issue with this old boy is uh, he... He does not have insurance on his kangaroo, so if this kangaroo <laughs> this kangaroo gets caught in some uh, innocent crossfire, I'm sure mm-hmm. down there during deer season in uh, North uh, East Mississippi, he's out seven k. Uh, he needs <laughs> his kangaroo. So again, if you if you're, you are traveling for Thanksgiving and you're in the Guntown area, and yes, that's the name of the town. I uh, keep going a, uh, but b. <laughs> Roll up your windows, but B, you see a kangaroo, uh, call the authorities in Mississippi. They they will know what you're talking about. If you see uh, something hopping along the side of the road, don't go, is that a kangaroo? It is a kangaroo. (laughs) And this guy needs a 7K back, because I don't think the G&J Traveling Petting Zoo of Mississippi really has got, like, that's a a capital expense he cannot just drop. (laughs) Or else I need to get in the traveling petting zoo business, because... So, all right, have a good Thanksgiving. Eat, drink, watch football. It is really, truly America's greatest holiday, and uh, we all love it. And uh, we'll be back to overreact on it all Monday. Appreciate it. And tell everyone at your Thanksgiving table that they should be listening to this thing because you can't talk politics at dinner. You can't talk – you can talk Yahoo Sports College football podcast we are We are okay. So, we'll talk to you then. Take care, guys.